doing the right things, getting my life on track. I'm doing what I got to do as a father and as a man. So, you know, my part is being done. It's always going to keep being done until my sons get older and they ask me questions or they ask me certain things. I can explain to them and tell them how to move, tell them how to go about themselves, you know. Welcome to Jump by Design. I'm David Pachter. We're a show about accelerating achievement for leaders looking to excel through the struggle. As we know, learning and growth come outside of the comfort zone and more frequently when you're still in the fight. So I'm here with Jeffrey Golia, the Associate Executive Director of GOSO, Get Out and Stay Out. Jeffrey is uh, leading this organization to some really cool places, working hand-in-hand with GOSO founder Mark Goldsmith. So when you describe what GOSO does, what's what's at the core of GOSO? Well, the three E's are at the core of GOSO. Give it to me. Employment, education, and emotional well-being. I think of them as three legs on a stool. And this is specifically for folks coming out of incarceration? Well, we call justice-involved people, so people who have had some engagement in the criminal justice system. If you look at the demographics of our agency, 98% of our participants are young men of color. Uh, while they may not have had an incarceration, they've certainly engaged with police because they're a population that are over-policed. They are, um, you know, I think if you talk to them and talk to, talk to them about their experiences, they've been stopped, they've been frisked, um, even if they haven't necessarily been you know, uh, charged and convicted with a crime. So we work with anyone who has justice involvement. The three E's, employment, education, emotional well-being, like I said, are three legs on a stool. So that stool can't stand with two legs. It needs three legs. Employment education, I think, are easy enough to explain, right? We want to help our participants um, get, a, get an education, um, move on to higher education if they want to. So these are tools, right? Tools you got to put in their toolkit. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and, and, and it's really, and it's also about opportunity. I think that's another thing. So go so we level the playing field so our participants can do what they need to do to be successful. Vince, well, tell me about the jobs you've had. Well, I haven't had access to jobs. Well, why? Well, back in the day, I couldn't get a job because they could ask me about my background, which they can't do anymore and I would just get denied for a job. Or I walk in and I feel as though the person might be biased or racist and maybe doesn't want to hire me. At GOSA, what we want to do is try to mitigate those external forces so that our participants' internal um, 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 uh, resilience and achievement can kind of, can kind of uh, take off. We heard that a lot. We heard a lot about how external forces are influencing how these guys can and can't achieve things. Yeah, and, and so part of it is, is, is the art of the possible, right? What are you going to change first? Are we going to change society or are we going to change ourselves? And that's a big tension we have here. Obviously, it's easier for our participants to seek ways to adapt to their surroundings. And at the same time, it's also about what we can do to kind of leverage our privilege in this moment to provide them opportunities. So a good example, moving to the employment piece, that's the second E, um, is uh, one of the things I'm proudest of at GOSO is that I started our GOSO Works program. It's a wage subsidy program in which we place GOSO participants into jobs at companies all around New York. Uh, those companies have agreed to take on our participants. We pay them a wage for the first 240 hours, after which time, if they do good, they will be hired on site. And that, of course, means that they'll have a full-time uh, job on the books. Um, it's all that level in the playing field. These might be jobs that our participants do not have access to necessarily that we can provide access. And then all of a sudden these employers say, oh my goodness, this is one of the hardest working young men I have here. Um, so that employment piece has been very successful. 70% of our participants who engage in that internship to employment get hired after. Great stat. Emotional well-being is a leg of the chair, or leg of the stool rather, um, but it's probably the, the, the most important aspect of the work we do. 
myself and the rest of the staff who work with the participants are licensed social workers, which means we're all therapists, which means we seek to understand uh, not just sort of the issues that our participants have faced in their lives, um, kind of externally, but also some of those internal factors, so that emotional well-being. So just put simply, you could have all the employment and education opportunities out there, but if you're not feeling right inside, you're not going to be successful. But how, how do you impact that, creating that safe space, psychological safety and actual physical safe space where uh, the kids who are kind of coming out and given this really for, for a good chunk of them, it's their first shot at the professional working world uh, at making sure that they have that ability and place to go. Well, it starts with being a warm, friendly, and inviting space. So the Goso Community Office, and as you've been to both of our locations, right, we have kind of an archipelago up here in, in East Harlem. Um, folks come in, we know their names. They're welcomed with a smile. We have food. Um, we think it's a very nice environment for them to be. There's computers. So the, the one, we're just laying a foundation. of. It's fabulous. We met a bunch of the kids when we came in, and they were hanging out. They were making breakfast. They were making an early lunch. They were really comfortable, and I have to tell you, everyone was super engaging. We got smiles and handshakes and eye contact, and I know that's not easy for a lot of these kids based on where they're coming from. That's right, um, and those are some of the tools that we developed through the two-week job readiness curriculum, which we'll get to in, in one second. Um, well, you don't make any good decisions on an empty stomach. So we, we have food. We encourage our participants to prepare and make their own food so that they can enjoy it and, 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 and get, have some energy and feel good. Um, Every participant goes through an intake and what's called a biopsychosocial assessment. That's just a fancy word for a long conversation about all of the experiences they've had in life. That includes an assessment on mental health issues. About 50% of folks who are incarcerated have some kind of diagnosable mental illness. Before they go in? Um, uh, before they go in or as a result. Of I mean, I'm just thinking that the trauma of losing your freedom and being locked up for a teenager and then coming out of that is a very, very challenging Jails and prisons are incredibly dangerous and traumatizing places. Um, so to be a, and, and, and I suppose people who support the idea of prisons think that's a, de a deterrent, but in fact, what it does is reinforce uh, trauma, neglect, and other forces that can um, ultimately not really help somebody succeed moving forward. So we have to face those issues head on, and if somebody has more serious um, mental health issues, then we need to address that. So we try to address it in-house, but we will refer out if necessary. The biopsychosocial assessment is a really important part of that because we can understand what makes someone tick, what their strengths are, but yes, also what are those challenges and how can we address those? I'm here with Xavier Higgins. Welcome, Xavier. Thank you. Xavier's one of the guys in the GOSO program that we are fortunate enough to have an opportunity to get to know today and bring you a little bit of, uh, of Xavier's story. Xavier, what did they tell you about uh, what we're doing today? I mean, more or less, like, about people's achievements coming to go so and what it made us and who it made us. Yeah, so we're trying to frame it in this context of uh, we believe that um, accelerating achievement mm -hmm. you know, getting places, it, it's tied to having a process and a methodology and the discipline to actually stick it out. And everyone's got their own motivations. And, like, one of the stories I tell the guys uh, I meet, you know, somewhere between 20 and 40 new folks every month that come into our organization. It's a sales organization based out of Nashville called a Jump Crew. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, that I say to these guys is that uh, if I had this opportunity, this job that, that these guys have at 27, 
I would have washed out of their program and not made it. I w wouldn't have seen my 28th birthday as, a, as an employee of the Jump Crew. It's a, it's a disciplined organization where you kind of have to, you know, they hold everybody accountable to doing what they say they're going to do. But at 28, I had this kind of light go off. And for me, you know, it was uh, my parents having some financial hard times, uh, you know, a bunch of things in my life that kind of reshaped how I was thinking about things. Um, did you have any moment like that? I mean, I always have moments like that. You know, the one thing I always wish every year for my birthday is to see my dad. But, you know, at the age of two, I only had one picture with him, and he ended up getting deported to Jamaica. But, you know, that's a part of life. Now I got my two sons, so I'm their dad. So I got to set a better example than my father did for me. So, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. When you, you know, when you have two kids versus you think about yourself when you didn't have any kids. That's a fact. Now I got my two sons. It's not all about me. It's all about them. Right. So it's like I got to put my best foot forward for them and make sure I keep striving and I keep going. Because if not, I'm leaving a bad example for my sons that, you know. I mean, so, so for you to hit your goals, they have to be successful. Right. This is the concept that we talk about. It's like servant leadership. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, for me to be successful, they have to be successful. Something and then right. I have to go out and do my thing. Right. It's a fact. So you got to this GOSO program. How long ago? Uh, I started about when I was in my 20s. A friend of mine introduced me to the program that ever since I've been coming here. I enjoy it a lot. I come here to usually either print out my, my documents, fix up my resume, talk to my career counselor, Lauren. Other than that, I just love the vibe and energy. I just come around here for it. So, it, it, at the highest level, how, how did GOSO impact your life? I mean, I'm not going to hold you from different programs I've been to. GOSO is one of the ones that pushed me and actually helped me get where I want to be because I ain't never have a good resume until I came to GOSO. I ain't know no interview skills until GOSO taught me that. I ain't know nothing much about going out in the working world on how to present myself and how to go about getting a job and stuff like that until I came to GoSo, which helped me. So where were you in the world when you got to GoSo? Uh, you want the honest answer? Come on, give it to me. I'm, I, was, I was in my hood, I was, was smoking. My boy came to me like, yo, actually I know you want to work. There's this program up on Madison. I'm like, where? He's like, yeah, come through. I started coming for the past two weeks. I've been doing the curriculum, which they teach you about interview skills and whatnot, and from there, I was already in because I like how I could learn new things, I could approach people. My eye contact with people was horrible. At one point, I couldn't even look people in the eye for the longest. Now, I improved on that and I got better. So you're coming at that situation, how many years ago? I'm 26. So six, six years ago where you were struggling to make eye contact, make that initial connection, make that impression that's gonna allow you to get the job in the first place. That's all it is. Okay, so now you got some tools, you got some resources, you got this support behind you. And you know, talk to us about about waking up in the morning and and feeling good about you know, having your two kids and being being in a place where Yeah, every morning I gotta make sure I talk to my sons. That's the only way my day can really fully begin. Because if I don't talk to my sons or they don't call me or say, Hi daddy, this and that, I don't feel like my day is really completed without me speaking to them or even holding them in my hands. That's just a taste of where Xavier's coming from. We're gonna get back to talking with him in just a few minutes about the motivating forces driving the big jumps that he's made. But first, here's a touch about what happens behind the scenes in the GOSO program. I'm with Julia Friedman, the Senior Director of Community Programming at GOSO. Julia, how long have you been here? 
I've been here almost five years. Wow. And when you first got here, what were you doing? I was an intern through NYU Social Work School. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked with our president and CEO, Mark Goldsmith, on Rikers Island once a week. And I was here in the office uh, twice a week working with the young men. Awesome. So our audience is generally not familiar with GOSO. Tell us a little bit about what the, what's the mission of the organization. Sure, yeah. So getting out and staying out empowers 16 to 24-year-old male-identifying um, folks who live in one of the five boroughs of New York City and are choosing to come here every day to focus on education, employment, and emotional well-being. Many of them have been incarcerated. Some of them have had some kind of touch point with the criminal justice system. So it could be anywhere from having a violent felony. Um, we welcome those folks who have violent felonies with open arms, or it could just have been a ticket from not being able to afford to pay for your Metro card wow. and jumping the turnstile. Fabulous, yeah. meaningful, and uh, deliberate work that makes a difference. We're gonna talk about it in, in a couple of contexts. One that I wanted to bring to mind that we talk about at Jump by Design is uh, when we look to identify leaders, we don't identify them by title. We like to say there are leaders at every level of every organization. Mm, yep. How does we, that we resonate see that with here. you here? Oh gosh. We tell every intern that comes here, and we have probably like seven a year, that you can be a leader here. You know, you can have an idea and create a whole program, a whole group, a whole event based on that idea. And it really trickles down to our participants too. I mean, go so guys who are choosing to be here, if they want to be leaders, um, we have a program for leaders. If they want to um, find an internship that they want to create into an internship in a place they're passionate about, we'll help them create an internship there. And Jump by Design really is about accelerating achievement, but you can't really identify the level of acceleration until you define uh, what is achievement. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we wanted to really clarify today, because it's deep-seated in our beliefs, is that achievement isn't measured about where you're at, it's measured by how far you've come. Yes. So I thought that would really resonate based on the folks that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it personally resonates, and um, with the GOSO guys, it 100% resonates. I mean, their achievements are really based on everyday, day-by-day -day tasks being done, um, and then zooming out to the bigger picture of just getting the diploma, getting the driver's license, but things even smaller, like getting your social security card that's been lost for a couple of years. Um, and all of those things build up the pic big picture for them. So I don't want this to be really abstract. So mm -hmm. I, I want to kind of break it down. Yeah. So a typical situation here, mm -hmm. right? You have, uh, I'll call him a kid, you're gonna call him an adolescent because you yeah. use proper technical behavior yeah. terms. And I'm gonna say they, uh, they're coming out of Rikers Island. Yes, many of them are. They're coming up, they're some level of parole. Probation, parole, or sometimes they're not. They're not. Ideally they're not. Uh, and what resources are they walking out the door with so that they have this advantage and leg up before they get here? You know, they're coming out of Rikers Island and then the next day, what's their life like? Yeah, well that's really, the first 24 hours is something that needs to be spoken about more because it's really, really scary. They're given one Metro card, they're not given directions, and they're dropped off you know, in various places or they just walk out and hope that their family member or friend remember to pick them up, right? A lot of them don't know where they're gonna live. Um, probation and parole require a residence address. So a lot of our folks who are homeless 
go into the shelter system and then immediately have to meet, you know, with their probation or parole officer to give them what shelter they've end up, ended up in. And how many kids are we talking about on a monthly basis that are getting uh, released back with this opportunity to really make something of their lives with uh, these resources of a MetroCard and, and no address? So it's really changed because um, there are no longer 16 and 17 year olds on Rikers Island. Okay. So now they're at adolescent detention facilities. Okay. Um, we see here at GOSO um, over 700 people per year. And um, that's, that's pretty significant. But the crazy thing to think about is there's hundreds of people that we don't touch. Um, and maybe it's because they're at another reentry program or because East Harlem is not convenient for so them. So we're talking about hundreds of kids a month. Yeah, hundreds. Wow. Because without them two boys, I don't think I think I'd be the same little hood bugger in the hood, just waking up, chilling with the guys, smoking, and not really trying to do something with my life than I'm supposed to. I hear you. So you went and you went from clearly not having a, a stable job, not doing the right things, you know. So now I'm I'm doing the right things, getting my life on track. I'm doing what I gotta do as a father and as a man. So you know, my part is being done. Is always gonna keep being done until my sons get older and they ask me questions or they ask me certain things. I can explain to them and tell them how to move, tell them how to go about themselves. You know, so I'm they I'm they father figure in their life versus their mother. You know. So what advice does the, does the 26-year-old Xavier want to give to the 18-year-old Xavier? I mean, I feel like I could have developed way faster than me being the young buck I was at 18, and I should have really had my head in the game at that age instead of me having my head at the game at the age of 20 and then learning six years from that. The knowledge I got, I should have got that when I was at the age of 18. But you know, life it is is how it is. So. I make the best of it, and and you got your head in the game still early. Yeah, you know, anything that you would want to share with folks who are thinking about uh, how to stay focused and how to stay on track, doing the right thing. You know, everyone, regardless of where they're at, has their own level of stress, has their own struggles, and uh, you know, for a lot of the folks I work with, mm -hmm. like you know, they are uh, in a sales organization and they go a whole day and not make one sale and. Uh, you know, people aren't talking to them, aren't calling them back, and they're, they're feeling down. They don't got that energy in the five. What it is, is when you wake up in the morning, you gotta always make sure you got that determination on your mind. Every morning I get up, I listen to my favorite artist, Nav, motivational, Drake, I listen to them every morning, keep me going. So when I touch work, my energy is already there. I can't go to work with dead energy and expect to rejuvenate myself at my desk trying to make something. Nah, I got to come in the office already with my energy, already talking my shit to the people that I'm trying to make the sales to. So once you come in the spot with the energy, everybody going to feel like, oh, God, yeah, I feel all that energy he got right there. He making sales. He doing what he got to do. So it's like every morning I wake up, I wake up with motivation on my mind. Bring your energy. Bring your A game. That's leave it. your bags at the door. Do your business. Facts. Words from Xavier. You know, Xavier, uh, just getting to know you here a little bit more and going a little deeper on stuff. You know, we were talking about bringing your A game, bringing that energy every day, staying positive, leaving your bags at the door, all, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, people feel like uh, they're coming at things and sometimes, 
you know, the world is against them because their paper didn't get delivered that morning, you know, or, you know, maybe they, they couldn't get their class at the gym, you know, how do you, how do you relate to, to those folks thinking about where you're coming from in the projects, in the hood over here? I mean, honestly, growing up every day in the hood with my sister and my moms, I mean, shit got tough, you know, you hear the shootings, you know, I done seen a couple of my niggas get hit, but you know, it's a part of life. Like, you can't stop, you can't stop the domino effect that's already been in place. You just gotta let it go with the flow. Like, for instance, I live in Jefferson. You got Johnson right here across the street. You got my projects that's beefing with another project, and it's like, y'all niggas is across the street. Y'all niggas got a mob five deep to feel safe, make sure y'all don't get shot. Me, I don't deal with none of that hood beef. I could walk through any hood in Harlem and niggas know me, niggas say, what's up? I, I, I'm not with all that gang shit, because at the end of the day, I got my two sons. That gang beef ain't gonna save my sons. That's just gonna kill my sons and kill me faster. You feel me? My pops wasn't there to make sure I had a good head on my shoulders. I ain't follow these little niggas out here. Nah, I did that myself. So when you think about staying above it all? I think about my sons. Okay, that's, that's fair. Because if I go down, I'm bringing my sons down with me and that's, that's not what I wanna do. I wanna make sure they get farther than any place I ever got. I hope the folks listening out there are hearing what you're saying and appreciating what they have because just sitting here with you is, is really changing my whole perspective on my day. No, anytime, anytime, man. Xavier left me feeling all fired up. Like he said, you have to have your head in the game when you wake up every day if you're going to make a difference in the world. You can't go to work with dead energy and expect to rejuvenate yourself when you get there. Xavier understands that surrounding himself with people who have good energy can change everything. Every morning when he wakes up, he has motivation on his mind. Those are the words of someone who has spent time reflecting on what drives him and who has thought about being a better teammate, friend, and father. And that's a good chunk of leadership right there. Xavier also understands the connection between success, achievement, and commitment. His commitment to his two sons. Xavier strives to live above it all, live above his past self especially. At the end of the day, Xavier's version of success is seeing his two sons thrive in the world and being a father who sets a good example for them, and rightfully so. For him, success is caring deeply about the ones you love. I'd like to thank the GOSO team, MG, Jeff, Julia, and especially TK and Xavier for having the courage to share their stories with us all. So what can we take away from all this? At the end of the day, we all want to be successful. Perhaps shifting our view of success from a societal construct to a relative measure will push us further along the way. It's up to you. The idea that we have control over what our individual version of success looks like creates a unique momentum and energy that we alone bring to this world. And with that, success for the one can create more success for us all. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next time for some more Jump by Design. We love feedback at Jump by Design. Come to the website. Please head over to the GOSO website at gosonyc.com to support the GOSO program and all the good work that they're doing. You can get me on Twitter at David Pactor. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mm -hmm.